So how are you guys doing today? Are you doing good? Worship was powerful, wasn't it? Yeah. Are you ready for a powerful word? Well, I'm ready to, to hear this powerful word and see what God does. And I feel like maybe I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit after what happened in worship. Um, so I want to ask you, are you guys believing that God's doing big things? Yes. That's good. That is a, I'll tell you, you beat first service hands down. <laughs> um, but this message kind of came about from a Facebook post. And do you guys know that God speaks through Facebook posts? Yeah, I'm sure Instagram posts and all the other things as well. But we had put out a Facebook post, and it was Pastor Guy with his guitar, and um, it was just kind of talking about worship. And as I was reading through the comments that everybody had written, someone had said that I can worship at home and it's always good, but when I come and am led by Pastor Guy, I know that I'm going to have a deeper experience. And that's true, right? But it kind of got me thinking of how much the expectancy level in this house has changed since COVID. You know, when, before that, I mean, we had a great worship. It was the same team. It was the same people. Most of us were, were the ones that were here. But we can all sense that something is different and something has changed. And I believe it's because there's a hunger and expectancy that has changed in the hearts of many of us here in this house. And that's important because I feel like God responds to expectancy. I think that's what we're seeing. God responding to that hunger and that expectancy that we have. And the Bible tells us that God uses all things to work for our good. And it's kind of easy to see that when things are going right when we see God meeting our needs and answering our prayers, but it's a little harder to keep our expectancy high when things aren't going so great. But in Romans 5, it says that we're supposed to glory in our sufferings. We're supposed to glory in those trials because they produce in us character and perseverance that leads to hope or expectancy. It does something in us and it increases something in us, and we're supposed to be excited about that because God uses that to work good things in our life as well. And I believe that God is into setting us up, and he uses many of those things in our life to kind of focus our vision and focus our direction. And I feel like through this whole COVID thing, what, one of the things God did for many of us is it helped us to realize what we had when we came together, right? Which is why our hunger and our expectancy is higher. But it's not just here in this house. God wants to do the same thing in your personal life and what you're doing outside of these four walls. So I want to begin with a question. What is God setting you up for right now? What is he doing in your life? What is he preparing you for that he wants to use you to make an impact in? And so I want to go through a story in Chronicles, and it's about King Jehoshaphat. Who wants that name? Not me. Um, but King Jehoshaphat, he was the fourth king after the nation of Israel divided into Israel and Judah. And if you read through all the kings that kind of happened after Solomon, the majority of them did not follow in the ways of God. But King Jehoshaphat was different. He was one of the few that the Bible says he walked in the ways of the Lord. He reigned for about 25 years, so that's a good reign um, in that time. And when we um, pick up here in chapter 20, what was happening is there was three enemy armies that were coming after King Jehoshaphat. It was the Ammonites and the Moabites and the people of Mount Seir. 
Um, and so we're going to read through this, and we're going to see how King Jehoshaphat responded and where his expectancy was in God. So if you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to read starting in verse 14. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Metaniah, who's glad for last names. But think if you had to be the daughter of, the daughter of, the son of, before anybody really knew who you were. Um, anyway, so after all of that, this is what he said. He said, listen, all of you Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not, be, or do not fear nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Korthites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with voices loud and high. And so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. You shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. Before we move forward, let's pray. Dear Father God, I thank you for what you were doing in this house, Lord God, what you've been doing, what you're setting this house up for. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in each person's lives in this, God, that you have good things in store for us, that you are preparing us for something, that you are setting us up for something great. I pray that today that you would open all of our hearts to be able to hear your word and hear your message, Lord God. And I pray that you would establish something in us that we can stand on so that we can move forward in the purposes and plans that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today I want to talk to you, and the title of this message is Raise Your Expectancy. Raise Your Expectancy. And so we see in the story of King Jehoshaphat that he had a high expectancy on what he believed that God was going to do. But I found that as I was reading through this, there's many things that kind of tend to lower our expectancy um, of believing for God. And one of them for me, and maybe you can relate to this, is kind of our timeline. I think in modern culture, we want to uh, say a prayer and we want God to answer it today. Um, or tomorrow, we'll settle for tomorrow, but next week is way too late. And for me, that has been something that I've had to struggle with when it seemed to delay longer than what I felt like it should, then my expectancy would lower. For example, in 2006, Matt and I, we purchased a home, and we were doing it for investment reasons. And so we read the books, and we studied, and we learned how to do it. You buy the house. It is this kind of house in this kind of neighborhood. You sell it in four years, and you make the most profit that you can make. And we're like, all right, that's what we're going to do. But in no book did it tell you what to do when 2008 hit. When the market goes out, what do you do then? And so me, being who I am, uh, 2009, 2010 was coming around. We're at our four-year mark. 
And God started speaking to us and saying that we were going to move. We were going to move states. He was going to do something. He was repositioning and kind of had that stirring. And so I said, I know what we're going to do. It was our original plan, put our house on the market, and we're going to sell this thing. Except I think in eight months, we got two showings. Definitely we're not going to sell it. And when that happened, I started to question, did God really say that? Was that really what God was doing? Maybe I didn't hear, maybe we're going to be stuck in this house we never really wanted forever. Right? And so, but what happened was five years later, God started to do something at work in our life, and he did move us, and he did move us to a different state. It just happened to be 40 minutes away. Because back in 2010, we were looking in Wisconsin, and we were looking in Texas, and we were going to move anywhere, never expected it to be 40 minutes away. And we never would have even considered moving here in 2010. But God had bigger plans for us. But because it didn't look like my timeline, I started to lower my expectancy. Another thing is our picture. Has anybody ever read a promise of God or felt like God spoke to you and you kind of formulate a picture of what that looks like? Like you feel like God's leading you into a marriage and so you like that's the person because it's the one that logically makes most sense in my mind. Or you believe that God's moving you to a different job and you say, oh, here it is. But then if you don't get that job or that relationship doesn't work out, you're like, I must not have heard God. He must not be doing something in my life. And many times I think we get a picture of what it looks like, and when it doesn't happen, we start to doubt what God says, and we start to expect less than his best for our life. So if that's true, and those are areas that we shouldn't put our expectancy, what are some areas that we should put our expectancy in? And one is God's promise. God's promise. If we read Joshua 23, verse 14, it says that now, and this is Joshua, he's getting ready to die, and so he says, now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know with all your heart and all your soul that not one of the good promises of the Lord your God that he gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled, and not one has failed. And that's true of God all the time. His promises never fail. If we read in Romans, verse 20 through 21, and this is the Passion Translation, I love it. It says, he never stopped believing God's promise, for he was made strong in his faith. This is Abraham, to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. So if you remember, Abraham was 100, which that's pretty phenomenal. But what was even more phenomenal is his wife was 90. I mean, you got to have a lot of expectancy in the promises of God and in his word to believe that your 90-year-old wife is going to have a baby, right? Especially when she never had any children. But Abraham said that my expectancy, my faith, is in the word of God, in his promises. And so it says that because of that, he glorified God. Jeremiah 1.12 says, And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. God's saying, I'm ready. I'm, I'm here, and I am ready. All you have to do is put your faith in my word, faith in my promises. Expect that I am going to do what I said, and I'm ready to do that thing. If we go back to 2 Chronicles in our story of King Jehoshaphat, in verse 17, it says, You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear 
nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So we see that King Jehoshaphat, he heard what God was speaking to him. He heard the word of the Lord, the promise that God gave. And he said, that's what I'm going to expect is going to happen. In a world we live in when you can't really have too many guarantees, I mean, if you look around, what is guaranteed in our life? We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed that our car is going to work. We're not going to guarantee that that relationship is even going to work out. But there is one thing that we can be sure of that is a guarantee, and it's the word of God. If God said it, it's going to happen. If he promised it, it's a sure thing. So if we want to stand on something, if we want to build our foundation on something, that's where we should build it, because that's the only sure, only solid foundation that we can stand on. Amen? Amen. Another thing that we can set our expectation on is God's ability. Thank God for that, right? He does it. I don't have to do it. I have a part, but it's his ability that is going to accomplish the things in my life. 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 8 said, Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. In every good thing. God is going to give you the grace to do everything that he's called you to. Everything that he has planned for you to do. In your purpose, he is going to give you what you need at every moment to accomplish what he's called you to do. Thank goodness for that, because it wasn't so long ago that standing here was something that I would never have saw myself doing. In fact, after first service, all of Matt's family was like, oh my gosh, what God has done in you, you were such a mouse. Literally, his grandma said, I don't think you said two words when I first met you. And, and it's true, like I was so intimidated, but God has given me the grace I need to do what he's called me to do, and it's no different for you. He's going to give you the grace you need to do what he's called you to do. And he's going to lead you step by step. Thank goodness for that. Because had I known that if I married this guy, that I would be standing here, I would have ran. I would have ran because I would have been like, no way am I going to walk that journey. But he has given me what I've needed every step of the way to overcome fears to, to grow, to accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish, and to fulfill the purpose that he has called me to. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus is talking to his disciples about salvation. It says, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Yes. Whatever vision he has given you, whatever purpose you feel like you are called to, with God, it is possible. Whatever gaps, whatever chasms are in your way, God can bridge that to accomplish the work that he has for you. If God can take a broken sinner like me and a broken sinner like you, and he can make us in right standing with God, all the things, all the junk, all the stuff, but yet we're still in right standing with God, he can do that, he can do anything, right? That, I would think, would have been the hardest accomplishment, to work through broken people, but he does that. If we go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, it says, And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord your God, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, because the battle is not yours, it is God's. 
Like I said, we have a part to play in our purpose. But ultimately, our purpose is God's greater purpose. What we're called to do is a part of a greater purpose. And God is going to do that. Really, it is him that is going to do it, not us. And that's a good thing, right? We can rest in that. Because we know he knows all things. And we know that he has perfectly positioned us to do what he's called us to do. Another thing that we can put our expectancy in is God's goodness. Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. His plans for you are good, all of them. This was something that I kind of struggled with a lot because I, I could understand that God had good plans for people who didn't know him and walked away from God. But I had a hard time understanding that for me, someone who was raised in church, who was raised to know God, who had encounters with God, and still walked away from him, that he still had good things planned for me. But he did, because what I'm standing here doing today, the, the person I'm married to today, the amazing six kids that are healthy and, and are doing so much already with their young lives today, was the same good he had planned for me when I was walking away. When I was furthest from him, this plan was still his plan for my life. When I was a sinner, this plan was still his plan for my life, and the same is for you, because his plan for you is always good. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is saying God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The plans that he had for you at the beginning of time are the same plans that he are going to have for you when time is over. There's nothing that you can do to change the goodness that he has planned for you in your life. And then Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man who trusts in him. I love this because the psalmist has tasted the goodness of God. And he's inviting us in to taste that goodness. Just trust him. Just come on and taste his goodness. Take a step of faith and believe that God has something good for you, and you're going to see. You're going to see that God has good things in store. So now there's a few places that we can put our expectancy in, but, but maybe it's like, okay, like I know where to maybe put my expectancy, but, but why is it important? Why does it matter that I have a high expectancy for the things that God has for me? Won't he just do what he's going to do? Uh, does it matter? Do, do I play a part in that? And one of the reasons is that a low expectation of what God's going to do kind of caps what we will respond to with God. God is going to open great and mighty doors for us, but if we don't believe that that's a door for us, if we don't believe we can do it, then maybe we won't walk through it. Pastor Matt preached a message last week at Jerseyville, and he was saying that, you know, God's the one who opens doors and God's the one who shut it, but our part is to walk through it. I want to be like Jonathan and his armor bearer. You guys remember that story where those two guys, they went into the Philistine army and they climbed a wall and did all this. And in his, it was like, let's just see what God's going to do. Like, we don't even know what God's going to do. Maybe he's going to do something. Maybe he sends us home. Maybe we die. I don't know. But let's just see what God's going to do. Think if we were a people who lived like that. That we had an expectancy and we're like, man, we believe God's going to do something. And so we're just going to operate from a place of 
What's God going to do today? We wake up in the morning and we say, God's going to do something big today. What is it? And I'm going to look for it. I'm going to keep my eyes open and I'm going to expect him to move. And I know he's going to use me, not because I'm worthy, but because he says he's going to use me and he has good things in plan for my life. How much different would our life look? How much different would your life look if you lived from that place, that you expected God to move? If we read in 2 Chronicles and we go back just a little bit from where we, where we were and read verse 7 through 9, this is what King Jehoshaphat said to God when he found out that the enemy army was coming after him. He said, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. He had a high expectancy. He said God said it. God said we're his people. God said that he would save us. God said he had good things in store for us, so I expect God to do something in this situation. We are not going to be destroyed because God said he will save What if we operated like that? Like God said that he was going to move in my life. God said that if I raise my children up in the ways of the Lord, that they will not depart far from that. What if we, instead of wondering and hoping and begging God, we said, God, you said it, so I believe it. How much different would our life look like? God's going to fulfill his promises, but we can walk toward them with joy and with faith and with purpose, or we can walk to it in fear and in worry and anxiety. But living from a place of expectancy is so much better, so much more fulfilling. God also responds to faith. We see there that Jehoshaphat and Judah, they expected or they believed that God was going to move. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that it's impossible to please God without faith. And he tells us why. He says, because you first have to have faith that God even exists, right? Then you have to have faith that his son died on the cross to save us from our sins and to restore us back into righteousness with God. So we start our relationship with God from a place of faith, right? Do you guys agree with that? And then it tells us that we are supposed to live from that place of faith to faith to faith to faith. We are supposed to live from faith to faith, and God responds to that. In 2 Chronicles, verse 20, it says, They rose early in the morning, and they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. So they heard God, they sought God, and they heard him, but they didn't stay there. They had to move. God said, tomorrow, go out. And they went out tomorrow. But what would have happened, and I always like to think about this, if they wouldn't have went out, if they would have said, like, God, that... That doesn't really look like my timeline. Like, I think that we're not ready, so we're just going to wait. We're just going to hang out here and maybe go out next week when we're prepared. Or maybe if they would have said, God, they're going to they're gonna attack us. If we sleep through the night, oh my goodness, like, we better go now. What if they wouldn't have responded from a place of faith? If you read on in that chapter, it says that they went out, and before they even got to the edge of where the battle was, that everybody was dead. And then it said that the spoil that was there was more than what they could even carry home. 
See, the word of God said that they would win. But what if they wouldn't have got the blessing? What if they wouldn't have gotten the spoil that would have set them up for future generations and they they wouldn't have had the blessing and lived in in a greater level of comfort and prosperity? Maybe they would have still won, but the added blessing that God wanted to do, they would have missed out on because they didn't operate from a place of faith. Or maybe if they would have hung back, maybe the army would have come to them. Maybe they would have attacked them. Because see, what happened when they responded from a place of faith is that none of the um, children of Judah died. The enemy attacked themselves, but what if it would have looked different? What if they would have came to their homeland and they would have lost lives? They still would have won, but maybe it wasn't the fullness of what God had for them if they would have responded from a place of faith. When God speaks, we have to respond from a place of faith because we want the fullness of what he has in store for us. Amen? And also, words are powerful. And we speak what we expect. Luke tells us that it's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if we have a low expectation on what God's going to do, that's what we're going to speak. If we, if we believe God's not, God's not going to do much for us, then we're going to speak that. But if we believe great things like King Jehoshaphat where he says, you will save, you will hear because this is what you said, then we're going to speak those things. And what speaking does is it creates an atmosphere. I'm sure all of you experience when you're in an environment with someone who's speaking negatively, like, doesn't it change the atmosphere? Doesn't something shift? But if someone comes in and starts speaking truth, starts speaking positive, something changes, why is that? That's because we were created in the image of God. And what did God do? He spoke the world into existence. He spoke, and everything we know and everything we see, aside from man, was created with words. And he told us that life and death are in the power of our tongue. That when we speak, it matters. We need to be careful of what we say. And we need to guard our heart so that what comes out of our mouth is an atmosphere we want to create. In 2 Chronicles um, 20, again, it says, And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. What was he doing? They were marching out into battle. They were going on the word of God. And King Jehoshaphat said, We want to create an atmosphere of, of boldness, of a victory. I don't want these people going into this battle and and be like worried and stressed. I mean, they know they're going into a multitude, a huge army. And so he started speaking the truth of God and speaking life into his army. So when they went, they went from a place of victory. And what happened after that, after he spoke that, what it says is that the people started to praise and worship. They started to declare what God was or what God was going to do and who he was and what preceded the victory was worship. Because right after that they come to the edge of that and they see that the enemy just wiped themselves out. We were singing today about praising God and marching our way up the mountain and and walking ourselves out of the valley from a place of praise. That's how we live. We praise God because what we're doing is we're declaring his authority above whatever else is going on in our life. 
It is important to have our words aligned with the truth of God. Why? Because that's our foundation, right? That's what we can be guaranteed of. That's what we can be sure of is the promises of God. And when we're speaking that, we're speaking life. I want to remind you of the question that I asked in the beginning. And I said, what is God setting up for you in your life? And I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you know? Do you know what God's preparing you for? Have you even thought about that? Because I believe for many of us in here that maybe it's not much. That maybe what we think God's going to do is, you know, we're going to find a job and we're going to, you know, just kind of like coast through life. And our expectancy is that we just don't get sick, we just don't live uncomfortably, and that's kind of where we're at. But do you know you're created for a purpose, a divine one, a God-ordained one, from the God that spoke all of creation into existence, and he chose to form you with the palm of his hand, to knit you in your mother's womb? Do you really feel like that kind of God created you for that kind of purpose? Because what I believe is each and every person in this room was created for an impacting purpose, a game-changing purpose, one that's called to make a difference in your world. And how do I know that? Because he breathed his spirit into you. He is a part of you. He is God of all creation. He didn't give you less. If you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit of the book of Acts, that miracles happened and, and people prophesied truth of things they couldn't know. Like that God lives on the inside of you. Don't you think it'd be a little wasted to live a uneventful, non-impactful life? That's not God. And so what I want to do is I want you to, as we go into worship here in a moment, I want you to think and allow God to speak to you. Speak to you vision for what he has for your life. Speak to you purpose. Even if it's just that, I, that you start to believe that he has something bigger for you. Allow God to speak that to your heart. And so, Pastor Guy, if you can come up with your team. I want to ask everybody to just close their eyes. And I want to pray for you. But I want to pray for specific people that maybe this is spoken to. That maybe you feel like you haven't been believing big enough. And that God's kind of stirring something up in your heart. Maybe you, you haven't really believed much at all. And you're like, I really want to. I really want to believe that God has bigger things in store for me. I want to know. I want to feel like God has a purpose and a plan for my life. Or maybe you just need direction. Maybe you know it's something, but you just don't know what it is. If you're in any of those places, while everybody's heads are bowed, I want you to just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or do anything, but just so I know who I am praying for today. I see your hand. I see your hand. All over this place. I see your hands. I see your hands. It's awesome. Awesome. Anyone else that says, man, I'm, I, just, I just 
want God to do something in my life. I want him to show me his purpose for my life because I just don't know it now. All right, well, I'm going to pray this prayer over you today, all of you who raised your hand. But you got to receive it from a place of faith, okay? you got to allow it to sink down in your soul because God wants to break off lies today. He wants to break off mediocre thinking today. He wants to raise expectancy in this house today. Dear Father God, I pray for each and every person that raised their hand, Lord God. And I thank you for the work that you're doing in their heart, Father. And I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for their life, Lord God, that it is big things, that it is life-changing things, Lord God, that you created them with a purpose that's so much bigger than what they see now. And Father, I come against every lie that the enemy has tried to sow into their life, every spirit of shame, of doubt that the enemy has tried to place to keep them from accomplishing what you have for them, Lord God. And I just pray that that would be broken off their life. I pray that you would pour vision into their hearts, Lord God, that they would begin to be stirred up on the inside for the things that you have for them, God. And you will align their focus with your will for their life, Lord God. I pray that doors would be opened, that opportunities would be opened, and that they would hear your still small voice so they they know that it's you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.